Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Under Construction. Jesus' promise is that he will build his people, the church, and that nothing can stop it. That means the church is constantly under construction as new people are brought to Christ and our relationship with him grows. Our prayer is that you see how God continues to build his church and grows us up into a magnificent community of people. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Good, good, good. Good to see you. I can see faces at nine, so if you go to sleep, I know. Don't think I don't. Um, Man, I'm glad to be here today. I'm excited about what God is doing and I get to be a part of baptisms again today. People publicly professing their faith in Jesus, man. It's awesome to see that happen. That'll never get old. Um, And so... You're going to have an opportunity to do that at the end of this service. Go ahead and prep you. Um, if you uh, are a believer in Christ, you have not been baptized as a believer in Christ, you're going to have that opportunity. We have some here uh, today who are going to do that. And I'm going to ask all of you at the very end of the service to come forward um, and take that next step uh, to be baptized. Um, and and we're, we're all about next steps here at Connection Church. Our next step is just your next step in faith. And one of the big next steps that we see people take is when people begin to serve and they begin to um, get involved in the church. And so we had these nice handy-dandy T-shirts made because everybody needs another T-shirt, right? And it says, we love connectors, right? And we wanted to do that just to say, for those of you who are serving, who are a connector in this church, and you're, you're, you're part of this church, and you're part of this body, and, and you're serving in some way, um, thank you for what you do, because of what you're doing, and how you're serving, and how you're letting Jesus use you, um, we as a church are painting a clear picture of the gospel in the community, and with those people around us. So thank you for what you're doing, and I would really love for us to give them a hand, and thank them. For what they do. Um, because God chooses, he can do anything he wants to do, but he chooses to do it through us. And when we take our next steps of faith and we step out to serve, we step out to be in a connect group, we step out um, in, in all of the, the possibilities of our next steps as God leads us to, God uses us, um, uses us to be a part of proclaiming the gospel to the world. So we're going to um, continue today talking about that very thing. Um, it's going to be out of Ephesians chapter 3. Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 14 eventually. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to talk through those verses. And my heart is today that you would see, um, one, again, the value of the gospel, but two, that you would see um, our call uh, to steward that gospel that God has given us and the grace that he's given us. And so we're in a series called Under Construction, and, and this series is about God continuously building his church. It's about God is still building his church. It's awesome to know, it's so encouraging to know that God is still building his church. He's still taking people, not the church a building, but taking people and bringing them into his body. Body, into this church, this great temple um, that brings him glory, and he's still adding people constantly and building this church up um, to be a testimony of his goodness. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, that he takes us and makes us trophies of his grace, which is so hard for us to understand, so hard many times for us to see ourselves that way. But when we come to faith in Christ, we begin to see that, that, that through the righteousness of Jesus, no righteousness of our own, but God changes us um, in the way he sees us instantly, gives us righteousness, and then God begins to transform us from the inside out, um, changing our 
our lives. And so we become trophies of God's grace that is proclaimed throughout the world. And so we're going to continue looking at this today, how God builds his church together to bring him glory. Everything God does is for our good and for his glory. And so we want to see that again today. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter three, verses one through 14. And right now, I want to pray for us, um, and then we're going to jump in, we're going to hit this, and then we're going to do some baptisms. It's going to be awesome. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for loving us, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for who you are. Um, God, we, we just praise you, God, because you are good. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you that you build your church. We thank you that you invite us to be a part of your family. And God, today I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would move. God, we need more of you. We don't need more of anybody else. We don't need more of uh, Connection Church. We don't need more of, um, of Brandon or of Matt or anybody. We need you, God. And so I pray that you would move and that you would speak and that you would transform our hearts here in this place today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Quick poll before we get going too, too much into this. Um, how many of you would say that you're sweets, a sweets person? Like you like sweets, right? You like sweets? Man, I feel sorry for those of you who are not sweets people. I love sweets. In fact, many mornings Susan wakes up and she walks into the living room to find like um, some Oreos wrappers or something jammed down into a cup that had once contained milk. Because if there's sweets in the house and there's milk in the house... I'm going to have it like right around 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night, which is, of course, the best time to eat bad for you, high calorie fattening food. Right. But I got to have it. I love it. Um, and, and in fact, I love um, so, so, sweets so much. I have my own like favorite sweets. And some of you may relate to some of these. Like I like LaBerry. Anybody like LaBerry? LaBerry? Yeah. And, and the good thing about LaBerry, you put fruit on it. It makes you feel like it's not so bad. Right. And so you just eat it. You put a little fruit on it. You're like, hey, man, this is good for you. Um, I also, I love. Oh, I love, I'm getting excited just thinking about Butterfinger blizzards. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. Butterfinger blizzards. They are incredible. Man, I love butterfinger blizzards. Um, oh, those Heath bars, <laughs> those Heath bar cookies. So good. So good. I love them. I love them. And, and then there's that molten chocolate cake. You know what I'm talking about? It's got the chocolate down in the middle. You cut it and it runs out. Man, that's good stuff. But my all-time favorite, all-time non-resistible dessert, can't walk away from it, got to have it, long for it, think about it, dream about it. As you get older, that's what you dream about is brownies and ice cream, warm brownies and ice cream, just the old simple warm brownies and ice cream, right? Absolutely incredible. And, and I love brownies and ice cream. And, and, and there's something in me that's got to have them. And I tell you that little bit of a silly story. I tell you that because I want you to kind of start thinking about something that you desire, something that you want, something that you long for, right? Uh, something that it was within you that you're like, man, I got to have that. I want to see this. I want to have this. I want to hold it. I want to taste it. Got to have it, right? Because this is what we're about to see Paul talking about. When we read these first two verses, we're going to read verse 1 and verse 14. I want you to take that thought. I don't know if it's for you, if it's sweets. I don't know for you, if it's steak. I don't know for you, if it's, uh, um, you know, it's Valentine's Day. Maybe you have a, a, a love in your life, you know, right? And, and I don't know what that is, but that, that longing for something in your life. And, and I want you to multiply that by like a thousand. And that's like what Paul's feeling as he speaks about the church and as he writes and, and pins these words to the Ephesians. 
Verse 1 in Ephesians chapter 3 says this, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then he stops, okay? For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then look over in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father. Okay, so Paul, it's as if Paul's about to start praying. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner on behalf of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles. And he's about to say this prayer. He's about to go into it. He stops and then he picks it back up in verse 14. And today we're going to look at what happens between verses 1 and 14, because I think there's a very important concept that's in there before we get into the prayer next week. And, And here's the thing that I see in this is that Paul is about to earnestly pray for the church. He is about to lay it down. And, and, and most of the, the scholars I've read, people that are a lot smarter than me, I have to glean from them because I'm not nearly as smart as they are. Most of them talk about how when Paul references the fact that he says, I bow my knees before the Father in verse 14, that he is showing them how earnestly he desires them. That they would talk about in a lot of these, these commentaries and different things that I read, that most of the time Jewish men would stand and pray and they would lift up their hands and they would pray to the Lord. And we see that often in scripture where men would stand and they would pray. And Paul says, though, I was on my knees. I'm on my knees praying to the Father for this reason. The thing I want to ask you and the question we need to answer is what was that reason, right? What was the reason? Well, that reason was everything that we have talked about up to this point. It's everything that he's described in verses in chapters one and chapters two. And so he says, for this reason, I mean, it encompasses all of those things we talked about. You remember us talking about the, but God statement a few weeks ago that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God made us alive in Christ. Remember? And we talked about that, but now statement. And we talked about how God tore down all these walls of hostility and he brought us all in together as one person building us up in his church, as we talked about last week, um, and to be this glorious temple to the Lord. And so we see that Paul is referencing for this reason, for this, for all these things that God has done, I bow my knee before the father and I'm praying for you. And Paul loved and loves the church. And he loves God. He loves Jesus because of what he's done. There's a couple of reasons that Paul felt this way. There's a couple of reasons that Paul loved the church so much and he loved God so much. Because after Paul stops, before he goes into the prayer, he says this in verse 2. He says, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. Verse 3 says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I've briefly written. So there's two things in there that I want you to see. Two words that I want you to understand. Why Paul was so passionate about his church. Why Paul was so passionate about Christ. He says, one, that this mystery has been made known to me by revelation. What was the mystery? It was the truth of Jesus. It was the revelation of Christ. When we think about a mystery, we kind of think about like Sherlock Holmes, right? Like or Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo is probably more on my level. I'm trying to discover something that's hidden, this sort of evil, this, you know, kind of out there in the dark. And, but when Paul's writing this, he's not really thinking about mystery in that way. What he's thinking about is just an unknown truth, right? And he's saying, this great truth has been revealed to me. This great truth, this revelation of Jesus has been revealed to me. My eyes have been open to this. I heard a story about a guy who got saved this week. I mean, been attending church here. Um, one of our staff members met with him and his comment was one morning, I just woke up and I realized reality. I think that's this verse. 
That one day he just woke up and his eyes were open and he came to understand this mystery, the truth, the revelation of Jesus. And then Paul says in verse two, another word that's really important. He says, God gave me this stewardship of his grace. This stewardship, you hear stewardship around church a lot. Stewardship is just the management of something. It's when somebody gives us responsibility for something that's not ours and we manage it. And he says, God's given me this grace, right? He's given me the revelation of this mystery. And for me, I'm called now to steward this revelation, this mystery that God's given me. The first question really I want to ask you today, and I want you to really let sink into your heart and ask yourselves is this. Have my eyes been open to the truth of Jesus? In other words, has this mystery been revealed to me? And has, have, have the, has the veil been removed? Has, have the scales fallen off my eyes so that I can see clearly who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Because here's the next thing. If that is true in your life, then you also have received a stewardship of that grace that has saved you. So with that revelation of Jesus and the truth comes a commission by God to use it, right? To go out and to share it. He not only gives us this revelation of Christ and the truth, he doesn't only just reveal the mystery, but he also commissions us to go, to steward this grace, this great grace that God's given us. Here's the thing though. Do we realize how great of a privilege this really is? Do we realize how great of a privilege this really is for us to be able to be a part of the body of Christ, to be a part of the church, to be a part of the commissioning and going out? Does it really obsess us? Does it, does it possess us? Is it something that drives us? Listen to what Paul says in verses four and five. He says, when you read this, he's talking about this, 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 what I'm writing. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. He's in other words, he's saying, you'll see as you read what I'm writing, as you read what I've written, you're going to understand that this has been revealed to me. He says, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it is now, it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit. See, sometimes I don't think we understand the great privilege of being able to steward God's grace, because if we're called to steward God's grace, it means that we've received God's grace, which is an awesome privilege in and of itself. So God gives us his grace. He reveals Jesus to us. And then he says, now steward it, go out and manage what I've given you. Go out and share it with other people. Continue to move in this grace. Don't stop. It's not a one-time event. Grace is something that happens over and over and over. Grace is not a out of hell free card, right? Grace is not a one-time acceptance and now everything's forgiven. Grace is also the power of Jesus in our lives so that we can go out and be his representative in the world so that we can be transformed into Jesus so that when people look at our lives, they see something different in us. And this is what Paul's saying. This is a great privilege. He even says that this was not made known to people of other generation, men of other generations. Jesus even said in the, in the gospel of Matthew, believe it's in chapter 13. He said, the prophets, the holy people long to see what you see. They long to hear what you hear, but they have not heard it. They did not see it. We live in a great time where Jesus has been revealed. We understand the purposes and the plans of God. It's there. It's clear. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would would move us, would, would move the scales from our eyes so that we could see the glory of the gospel and the call of Jesus and the stewardship that he's given us. 
This is what he's telling us, that this is a privilege that we've been given. It's something that God has done. And then Paul goes on to clarify. He says, this mystery is, so he's going to tell us, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Remember the Gentiles, not God's people, not the Jewish people, but God brought them in. Those who were far off, God brought them in. Members of the same body. We're members of the same body, meaning he brought us into this same body, this family. He's our daddy, right? He's the daddy of all people who claim the name of Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. And partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So Paul wants to be very clear. This mystery that's been revealed is is the gospel. This mystery that's been revealed is everything we talked about from chapter 2. That God's brought us in. He's made us one. He's building us up for the glory of of himself, that we can be his people in the world. Verse seven, he says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me, which was given to me by the working of his power. So Paul says, here's the reality, guys, this gospel is according to this gospel that God takes people who are far from God. Remember, Paul was going around killing Christians, imprisoning Christians, doing all kinds of bad things to the church. And and God brought him in and he says, listen, guys, here's the reality. It's this gospel, this gift of God's grace to his people. It's through the power of that gospel that I've been called to, to preach this, that I've been called to share this. And Paul realized this, that with the grace of God, with the gospel of Jesus, with the, with the, with the call and the revelation of Christ came a great stewardship of what God's given a great going a great using of all that God's gifted us with. In verse eight, I love this. Paul says to me, though I'm the very least of all the saints. You ever felt like the very least, right? You're like, I don't really think God could use me. I would serve. I would go. I would share. I would invite my friend. I would invest in somebody, but I don't have a whole lot to give. They're going to look at me and think, who are you to tell me about God when you've done all that you've done? But Paul says, I'm the least of the saints. He doesn't even say here, I'm the least of all the apostles. He says, I'm the least of all the saints, right? I'm the least of all the people in Christ. And so here, here he is. And he's like, I'm the least. And he says, but even though I'm the least, Of all the saints, this grace was given to me, this gift, this precious gift of Christ to preach to the Gentiles, listen, the unsearchable riches of Christ. He said, God has called me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul reveals in this his specific, like a specific calling Like we have a specific calling. God calls us to do something, right? And Paul reveals his specific calling. He says, I was called to preach to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. He was called to go, to proclaim. Here's the thing. I know most of you will never stand on a stage and preach, right? In fact, I used to feel guilty because I felt called to preach the gospel because I was trying to check my own heart and make sure I didn't just want to be in front of people. And then I realized that 95% of the people in the world are horrified of public speaking. Right. Most people fear public speaking more than death. Like you would rather be shot than come up here and do this. And here's the other funny thing. I wrestled with that. And then one day I realized I'm horrified of public speaking. Right. And I realized like it's not easy for me to do this. But Paul says his specific calling 
was to go around and to preach, to go into the synagogue, which was like the Jewish churches, and go in there and, and debate and to share the gospel and to reveal this mystery to people. His specific calling was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What are the unsearchable riches of Christ? Well, how about this? His unconditional love and unmerited favor that he's given us through Christ. That's called grace. His unconditional love is unmerited favor. How about this? He took us from death to life. How about adoption into God's family because he tore down the walls of hostility because he killed sin by dying himself? How about um, a, a new identity in Jesus, right? That he, he, get, he took our sin and he gave us a new identity from disobedient children to members of his family. Reconciliation with the Father, another rich, rich of Christ. Access to the Father through Jesus, being a part of his church and revealing the gospel to the world. The forgiveness of sins, a clear purpose for living, and the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness. All of those things, right, that Paul tells us we have. He says all of this makes up some of the riches of Christ. And the bottom line is this, guys. All of these riches, all the things we could name today, all the things we could talk about today that we've tasted in Christ, it's just a foretaste of what is to come. It's just the beginning of what we'll experience in the ages to come if we're in Christ. And he says, these things are given to you. And these are the things I proclaim. All of this unconditional love, all of this forgiveness, all of this, this reconciliation. This is what I've been called to do. My specific calling It's a foretaste of what's to come. And he's telling us this. I thought about a foretaste. I thought about it in, in this way. And this might help you understand what it's going to be like as we're continue to be growing in Christ. But we also one day spend eternity with Christ. I thought about um, one of the things we like to do when we're in Savannah is go to this little place called Savannah Sweets. Right? Anybody ever been there? Been there? I told you I like sweets. Yeah, it's good. And so we go there and then we go in. And the one thing we like more than anything else are the pralines. Can I get amen? Yes. Amen. And, and what we'll do is we'll go and we'll be like, can I get a sample of that? Maybe one more sample. Yeah, just, but then here's the thing. We sample it and we taste it. We're like, oh, that's so good. But then we buy a box of them, right? Last time we were down there, we're staying at a hotel down there. We went and we bought the whole box and we went back and ate the whole box of pralines. We just... Like load that thing up. We're going back. We tasted it. We're like, couldn't wait to get back and eat those pralines. Right. And so, so I think about this in that way that right now we're experiencing this foretaste. If we're in Christ and we've experienced his spirit, we've experienced his presence. We've tasted this, this foretaste of the Holy spirit of of what it's going to be like to be with God. Right now, we, we get to sample, we get to taste, we get to enjoy it. But God says, I've got so much for you if you'll just continue to steward, if you'll continue to walk in my grace, if you'll continue to pursue me, I've got so much more for you than what you've already experienced. We'll never, ever use up, we'll never exhaust the riches of God's grace. So Paul tells us this is his specific calling is to speak of these unsearchable riches. This is in verse 8. In verse 9 he says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. And he says, And to bring to light for everyone this mystery. So his specific calling was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. But his purpose in that 
wasn't to gain things. It wasn't to, to become famous. It wasn't so that we would, 2,000 years later, be reading about Paul. It was to make plain, the NIV says, for everyone, this mystery of the gospel. To make plain what God has done for us. This was Paul's specific, or his purpose. Listen, with his calling, Paul had a very clear, a very specific calling. We're not all called maybe to the same calling as Paul. To preach to people, to stand on a stage, to go into a church, to go in and debate. We may not be called that way, but here's the thing I will tell you. Each person who is in here today shares the same purpose if you're in Christ. We may not have the same specific calling, but we all have the same purpose in Christ. And that is to make plain, to bring into the light, this mystery, this glory of Jesus and his hope and salvation that he offers. We may not have the same specific purpose, but we have our same specific calling, but we have the same purpose in Christ. This word is used in here where he says to bring to light, to make people see it's a, it's a word called, um, it's pronounced fotizo, right? I've got this little website I go to and, and it's got this old guy. I'm pretty sure he reads like straight up King James, old school guy, right? Um, because when you go to these specific words, you can click on them and he'll pronounce them for you. And so I go to this website and he's always, and I click on it. He, he's always like, G430, fotizo, fotizo. I'm like, all right, I don't know if I can do that or not, but I'm going to give it a shot. So this word is pronounced fotizo, right? So, so where do you think we get, uh, what word do you think we might get from fotizo? Like, what, what do you think we might get from that? Come on, guys. Somebody say it. Photo. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Smart people at nine o'clock. Fotizo. Fotizo. It's, it's a photo, photograph. It means to bring to light, to give a picture, to help people see, to help them understand. And so I thought I wanted to help you see that, 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 that we are called as we steward God's grace. Listen, as we take our next steps of faith, stewarding God's grace, as we just listen to God and do what he says, God uses us to photizo, to paint a clear picture of Christ in the world. And I wanted to get some people to help me today, to help you understand what God has called us to do, this specific purpose in our lives. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to invite some people to come up here. So if you're, if you've got one of the, the sheets, you got one of the things, I'm going to invite you to come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on up. You're looking at me like you don't know what you're doing, but you do. I know you do. Don't, don't hide. Don't, don't act like you don't know. Y'all come on up. And, and I want to introduce some people to you. And, and uh, the first one, the first one I'm going to ask to come up is Sydney Van Curen, right? Um, Sydney took her next step and she started leading a connect group recently. How scary is that, right? How scary is it sometimes to take that next step of faith? But she came and she started leading a connect group recently. And so she has taken the next step. Nick Lewis. He started giving to one in one in the fall. He took his next step and began to give faithfully to one in one. Gabby Watson baptized in September with the soccer team. So she took her next step for Christ. Matt Sherman, a connector for 212. He started uh, serving there over the summer. Matt does an awesome job. Super, super announcement guy. Like, so I don't know. I can't do announcements. He's good at it. 
Julia Carlson joined the Connect group in September. Also, Julia is the one you'll see dancing in the back hallway every service. She's awesome. Let's mix it up a little bit. Brad Sheffield started as a 9 a.m. team leader and greeter. Carol Yawn. I'll say my mother-in-law. She has to do things. She greeted today. Started greeting today in the kids area. Started greeting today. She's it's a new next step. Drake Smallwood. He's been hosting a connect group this semester. And then, last but not least, the great and famous David Shirley. Has increased his giving to one in one recently. As God's led him to do so. And I hope you can see that like when everybody comes together and takes their next step, we begin to paint a picture of what Jesus does in the lives of people. This is Sam Stone, a young man in our church who, who took his next step, was baptized. He's now serving in, in our production area, gets here many mornings very early to set up so that we can come in and have worship And because of people doing these things, because people have taken the time to greet, because people have taken their next step to serve in some way, because people have taken the next step to give generously, because people have taken the next step to surrender things to God and say, God, I want to be used by you. We're able as a church to clean up, to paint a clear picture of the gospel to people and others then begin to take their next step. And we begin to see God take these little pieces here and these little pieces there and he brings them together and he starts painting this glorious picture of his church and his body and his grace and his mission. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all be careful. There's a lot of wires. <laughs> Appreciate these guys, man. It's awesome. Isn't that awesome? I knew this was going to happen, and it still gets me jacked up, right? To see how God paints this picture of the gospel for people to see. That's the fotizo. That's the enlightening. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he brings people to himself is he helps us see this mystery as it's revealed, as God uses it. I want you to understand that with a special revelation of Christ, with this understanding of Jesus, comes a great obligation to make it known to others. Paul understood this in another place. Paul said, woe is me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He understood it. It was in him. He knew I have to continue to take my next steps. Not because God you know, is, 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 is just making me, but because I love him and I want to do this. I want to take these next steps. I want to steward his grace well. And so Paul says his specific calling is to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul says that his, his, his purpose, which is the same as ours, is to make this known to all people. And then he says, but there's a greater purpose. See, in each one of our individual purposes, is a greater purpose. And it's within the church. Paul says this. He says that my specific calling is to preach to the Gentiles. Now, purpose is that this mystery would be revealed to all people. And he says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And he says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized, meaning God, in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And so Paul says, it's through this manifold wisdom, this revealing of this mystery. This is the great purpose that God is glorified, 
that he makes his manifold ways. That means multifaceted. If you think about a diamond and how it's cut and it's got all these different, these facets to it. Think about something that's got millions of colors, a rainbow, multifaceted. This, 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 this wisdom of God. This, 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 it can't be exhausted. And he says, I want you to understand people that this is what God's doing. And this is what's so incredible. This, this blows me away, y'all. This blows me away because God says that this is how God shows his wisdom to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. As I studied this, I didn't, I never knew this. As I studied this, I began to see that there is a cycle of the gospel. Basically what happened is God preached the gospel to people and he revealed his gospel through, through Jesus to men like the apostles, like Paul, like Peter. He revealed himself to the, the prophets and then they began to proclaim the gospel to people and this gospel began to spread around the world. But Paul says something here that's really incredible. He says that in this, in this happens as God's building his church, as he's bringing people together to paint a picture, to to bring in light this mystery. He says that something incredible is happening. And that thing that's so incredible is that as God's building his church and he's adding these living stones to his church, that, that what's happening is that we are proclaiming the wisdom of God, the gospel of God back to the heavens so that we are preaching the gospel to the angels. Is that not crazy? That God is using us to preach to the angels. See, angels, they're not omniscient. They don't know everything. They know what God reveals to them. And God's saying, I'm revealing myself. I'm revealing my plan. I'm revealing my truth. I'm revealing this mystery to the angels, to the heavens, through you. That gets me jacked. Of, right? That is cool. And so we are called to reveal this wisdom, this mystery to the heavenly places. What an awesome, awesome privilege. What a great stewardship we have been given. I would say emphatically that Paul stewarded God's grace well, wouldn't you? I mean, he wrote most of the books of the New Testament. He was the greatest missionary evangelist that's ever lived. Um, I would say that he stewarded well. So how do we do that? It's very simple. It's very simple. Not as easy to do, but it's very simple. We take our next steps. Listen, listen, this is it. You want to live the Christian life. You want to follow Christ. This is how you do it. You listen to God and you do what he says. It is that simple. And you take your next step. Paul constantly took next steps. When you have a chance, go back and read Acts chapter 9, verses 18 through 30. I wanted to do it today. I just don't have time. But here's the reality of it. He took next steps from the moment he was baptized. He began to take next steps. From the moment the scales fell from his eyes, he began to take next steps. And for the rest of his life, he would take next steps. Whether it was going somewhere to preach the gospel, whether it was writing a letter, whatever it might be, Paul took next steps. Here's the other thing I would tell you guys is that you are called to take a next step. And if you want a thriving relationship with Jesus and you know him and you say, I want, I want to steward his grace. Well, I want to steward this mystery well. Then take your next step. Listen to God. Do what he says. And to prove this, I want you to see one more thing. I want you to watch a video. I want you to watch a testimony of someone else who found that if they take their next steps of faith, that it leads to a thriving relationship with Jesus and a faithful stewardship of his grace. So check out this video right here. 
When I first started coming to Connection, I quickly saw the importance that Brandon put on serving in the church. Uh, he always said, we want something for you, not something from you. And it was something I didn't understand at the time. I thought um, it wouldn't be anything that I was getting from serving um, until I actually started serving. I thought serving in the church was going to be something that I could just check off on my um, checklist of things to do in the church. Uh, I always thought that I had to earn my way to Jesus and that um, by doing certain things in the church that that would get me closer. And so um, after one sermon, one week, I went up to the next steps table and signed up to um, be a greeter. I uh, was a greeter at the rack um, last year. And so I thought might as well use my talents to go ahead and um, try and help greet people into connection. And so I signed up and then um, the following week when I went to actually serve, I met Tim Cooper. And Tim was talking to me about the um, importance of setup and how he needed people on his setup team. And he actually asked me um, if... I would come help him on the setup team and uh, blindly not knowing anything about setup since I hadn't been in the church long, I quickly agreed and said I'd love to come, um, only to come find out that I had to be there at 6 a.m. So knowing that uh, may have made a different decision then, but um, I agreed to it. Whether I was greeting or on the setup team, I quickly saw um, how big just the hearts were uh, for these connectors, for the people that not only they were serving with, but the hearts they had for the people that were coming in, regardless of whether they knew them or not. They genuinely cared about each other and cared about the people that were going to come into the congregation on Sunday. The more I began to serve in the church, the more I began to see that these people that I hadn't even known for a month yet were showing more love to me than a lot of people had in my life. Um, and the more time I spent greeting and serving and doing setup, the more it began to pave the way for me to accept Christ in my life. In eighth grade at a service, I went down and uh, prayed the prayer and thought I was eternally secure, thought I um, entered into a relationship with Jesus. But the more time I spent at Connection through greeting, through setup, through um, just the body, um, spending time with them, the more I began to discover that I wasn't actually saved. And at the nine o'clock service on Easter Sunday in 2013, I uh, accepted Christ in my life. Uh, it was just a culmination of so many things, just seeing how um, I didn't know Christ. I didn't know Christ. Um, he was more of an idea to me than he was a person. And so when uh, I just heard of so many people saying they had this personal relationship with Jesus, I knew I needed that and I knew I wanted that. I went into the hall with Billy and he signed me up for the foundations class. And so through the month of April, I went through foundations and learned what I could expect after salvation, what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ and to truly know him and to follow him. And uh, April 28th, I was baptized. And so uh, just through both of those things, I really saw what it meant to truly know Christ, truly follow him and put me on that firm foundation that I could walk on for the rest of my life. Serving originally was a way for me to earn my way to Jesus, but it became a means for me to find and truly know Jesus. It's awesome. See, Jake made a great statement at the end of that. He said, serving was a way for me to try to earn my way to Jesus, but now it's become a way that I truly have come to know Christ. Jake is taking next steps. He's following Christ. He's stewarding God's grace well. Did you hear all the next steps in that video? He said, I was serving. He said, I'm serving. Now, he said, I, I came to salvation, which is the next step that many people in here today probably need to take. Like, you realize I need to know Christ. I don't know him. I've been around him. I don't know him. I, he's not in me. I don't know Christ. 
foundations. He said, I started going to the foundations because he said, I was baptized. He took that next step. He became a part of a connect group and he's still taking next steps today. Now he's leading a connect group. Um, now um, he's part of the message prep team, a, guy, a group of guys I meet with on Tuesday mornings and we just talk through scriptures that we're going to be preaching on coming up. And he's part of that group. He's working with crew, reaching college students and plugging them into the church. And so Jake, he's taking his next steps. His relationship with Jesus is thriving, not because of what he's done, but because of what Jesus has done in him. And now he's following by taking those next steps. And there's two things that I know people, I want you to hear this. I want you to understand that a growing faith always produces a response. Always a growing faith produces a response. The second thing is this, that our next step is a natural response to God's grace. When God moves in us, we take that next step. Paul listened to God and did what he said. Jake is listening to God. He's doing what he says. I rode by um, the old blue building this morning. I got a cup of coffee. I was driving by and um, went past it and it hit me again. The power of a church that will constantly take its next steps. There's power in just pursuing and following Jesus, taking our next steps. And here's what I know. There's all sorts of next steps represented in this room today. Even myself, everybody in here has a next step to take mine. Listen, this is, this may sound like it's no big deal for me. It's huge because I like to please people, right? Anybody a people pleaser? I'm a people pleaser. My next step is to start saying no to good things so that I can do the God things. That's my next step. It's hard to say no, but I got to, that's my next step. What is your, see, some people, it's salvation. It's accepting the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf, that Jesus took the punishment for your sins so that you don't have to, to be reconciled back to God. For some, it's serving, it's becoming a connector. For some, it may be giving. For some, it's joining a connect group. And those are four clear steps, right, within the church, right, within um, this, this organization. But there's other things that, that need to happen. Some of us may need to end a bad dating relationship, right, in order to honor God. Some of us may need to put some healthy boundaries in a dating relationship. Some of us need to share Christ with someone in our lives, maybe at work, it may be at home. It may be at the ballpark. For some of us, it's investing in someone's life that you know who doesn't know Jesus. For others, it might be inviting someone to church. For others, it might be reaching out. And today, listen, not, not you reaching out to someone else. It might be you reaching out for help because of an addiction. I don't know if it's pornography. I don't know if it's drugs. I don't know if, I don't know what it might be. But, but listen, for some of you, your next step is to reach out and say, I need help. It's to humble yourself and say, I need help. For others, it might be reaching out with depression. Listen, depression doesn't make you a bad Christian. It makes you human. And some people in here today, you may need to reach out for help. Let us help you. Let us walk with you. For some of us, it's just a sin in our life that we know I need to take a step away from it and a step to Christ so that I can experience his life. And so I'm going to give two invitations today. The first one is this, that you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Christ. You've heard about him, you've been around him, but you don't know him. There's no music, there's no nothing. It's just us and God. Us looking into the eyes of Jesus who says, come. Y'all start shuffling. Everybody starts getting nervous. But today you say, listen, man, I don't know him, but I want to know him. And this is what I'll tell you. That there's the invitation. Here is, this is Jesus's invitation that he extends to all those who would come after him. Just say yes and receive it. Take your next step. Take your first step, right? 
in a relationship with him. This is what I want to ask right now. You know, you know, in your heart that Jesus is speaking to you and drawing you right where you sit. I would say, just put your hand in the air. Let us celebrate with you and let us celebrate what God's doing in you. That you would raise your hand and say, yes, I need a relationship with him. He's here today that needs to make that decision to take that step. All right. Here's the next step, invitation. Today is to be baptized. And you haven't been baptized. And some of you today knew you were coming in and you were going to be baptized. But some of you, you may not have known. But you know in your heart it's the time for you to be baptized. But I want you to understand why we do baptism very briefly. One, it's, it's our identification. It's our identification with Jesus' death and resurrection. It's us coming to a place of saying, yes, I identify myself as a follower of Christ and his death, his resurrection. It's not the end, it's the beginning. The second one is this, Jesus is cleansing of our sin. It's the purity that he's given us. I want you to understand that the water doesn't save you. Faith in Jesus saves you. But this is our public identification. The third one is Jesus' lordship. This is, listen, this is your statement that Jesus is the Lord of your life. It's not anyone else's statement. This is your statement. It's not your parents' statement. It's not your friend's statement. You don't do it because somebody else wants you to. You do it because God leads you to, because it's a public profession of your faith. It's a statement saying that you will follow Jesus. His lordship means that we'll follow him even when it's not convenient, right? It's a statement that says I'll follow Jesus no matter what other people think. And so some of you today, the thing is going to be, I'm going to not worry about what other people think. I'm going to respond to the prompting of God and I'm going to take my next step and be baptized. And it's a statement that you belong to the church. You belong to the people of God. It's saying I'm I'm becoming a part of the family. See, here's the thing that happens. You go down under that water and it symbolizes the water cleansing you. You go down under that water and you come back up and it symbolizes you going from death to life in Christ. This is our identification with Jesus. And some people today, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know that that is your next step. Some of you knew you'd be baptized. Some of you didn't. The good news is if you didn't, we got clothes. We get everything you need, anything you can possibly think of, we have it, right? So you can be baptized. You can be baptized if you know that you need to identify yourself with Christ as a follower. It sounds difficult. And listen, if you're, if you're a middle schooler or younger, we would ask you to talk to your parents. You can be baptized today, but you need to talk to your parents. Let us talk to you, right? We'll explain this a little bit more. But listen... It's really not that difficult of a decision. In fact, this is a decision that you can make without even praying about. There, there's, some, there's not many decisions you can make where I would say, you don't even have to pray about this. This is one of them. And because I'm going to give you three questions to answer that will tell you if you need to be baptized today. One, have I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior? Have I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior? Number two, have I surrendered my life to Jesus as Lord? So is he my savior? Number two, is he my Lord? And three, have I been baptized as a believer? Have I been baptized as a believer? So three questions. Have I put my faith in Jesus as Lord? Have I surrendered my life to or, or, Jesus as, as my Savior? Have I surrendered my life to Jesus as Lord? And have I been baptized as a believer? Because here's the reality of it, guys. If it is yes, yes, no, then you need to be baptized. Well, how can you tell me I need to be baptized? I'm not telling you Jesus did, right? You're not arguing with me, you're arguing with Jesus. You're going to lose that. And so Jesus is saying, if I'm Lord, yes. If I'm Savior, yes. But have not been baptized as a believer, 
It's time to be baptized. It's time to take your next step. And this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. This is always the fun part. I'm going to give you an opportunity today to do that, to take that next step. There are many next steps in this room, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you in a minute that you'll have the strength and the courage to take it. But specifically, right now, I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, you know you're getting baptized. Today's the day for you to take that next step. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And we're going to celebrate those people. It might be one. It might be 20. I don't know how many it's going to be. But you know what? The, the angels, as they see this, they rejoice in heaven. And we're going to rejoice too. So here we go. On the count of three, you know today I need to be baptized. The water is warm. It's cold. The water is warm. I promise. On the count of three, you get up and you move and you come. And we're going to celebrate it with you. So one, two, three. You know you're being baptized today. You get up and you come forward. is awesome listen 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 god is awesome he is good and he's still building his church and it's awesome to see this i'm gonna ask him if you'll follow billy right there to your left um he'll take you we'll get you changed we'll get you some clothes and we're gonna meet you outside